Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. Today we are with our second episode of the Quizzy. We received a question from Fernando Diaz, a graduate student at Texas A&M University, and Brooke Latex is going to ask the question. Good morning, Brooke. How are you? Good morning, Peter. I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. We also have today Dr. Richard Zing. Good morning, Dr. Zing. Good morning, Pedro and Brooke. So, Brooke, what is the question that we have this month? So, this month our question is, considering a production type without the restriction of ionophores and feed additive utilization, are there cases where it's not worth using any feed additive? For instance, in cases where there's perfect feed bunk management, could you give up the use of feed additives? Or should we always think about using some sort of feed additive in cattle diets as an insurance policy? That's uh, actually, that's a, a very good question. It's a question that, that I receive from time to time as well. And for sure, one of the generalizations that we make is that the response to feed additives is usually greatest when the response to the non-supplemented diet is less than expected. So when we have conditions that would result in less than expected animal performance, that's when we see the greater benefit from the feed additive. And like the person is asking, probably the number one concern with respect to animal performance is feeding management. The feeding management includes a lot of things. It includes the, the meal operation, uh, consistency of diet preparation. It includes feed delivery, timely feed delivery. It includes the diet formulation itself. And it also includes the step-up program, how cattle are brought up on the feed. All of these things combine into what we call feeding management. And all of these things will, of course, have an impact on long-term performance of feedlot cattle. So feeding management, as we do a better and better job of, feedlot, of feeding management, then the risks associated with other stressors is minimized. So the response to feed additives becomes smaller and smaller expected response, let's say. But but there are other factors that we have to consider as well, in addition to feeding management. And some of these factors actually combine to uh, influence the feeding management uh, itself. And these include climatic uh, fluctuations, weather changes. And uh, specifically in the high plains, you would be talking about a weather event that would make feed delivery very difficult and uh, might cause big fluctuations in day-to-day -day feed intake. These are not uncommon in those regions, but also in areas like the desert Southwest where we are, uh, we have the summer months where we have extreme uh, weather conditions, very high ambient conditions. So these things will definitely impact our stress and affect animal performance itself. But we also have really obvious things like pen space, shade space, shade structure, We have bunk space and bunk orientation. We have abundant water supply and drinker space. Uh, all of these things are also critical. In fact, when we evaluate feedlot performance in commercial feedlots, we can see that all these things that I just mentioned will have an impact on animal performance. And so these additives do provide to some extent protection against the risks associated with these changes. Before I finish answering the question, I, I want to also give a reminder, specifically with respect to feed additives like menensin or like uh, the ionophores, if we decide to take that out of the diet, we need to do that very carefully. If we were to do an abrupt removal of the ionophores in the diet, we could cause some uh, unusual changes in animal performance that could result in uh, 
and some and some problems. So when we make changes, diet changes, we need to make sure that not just the formulation type changes, but even the additive changes should be done carefully. Now, when we look at, uh, for example, the most common additive that's used in feedlot cattle, at least in the north northern hemisphere, let's say, is manensin and uh, or the ionophores. And uh, the response to the ionophore, the average response is probably around two to two and a half percent improvement in feed efficiency. That improvement, although small, is quite significant when you compare that to the cost of putting manensin in the diet, which is about one percent of that risk. So you you can see that there's some logic to why almost every feedlot in the in, in the country uses an ionophore. Another thing to remember is that it's very, very difficult to expect in a commercial feedlot that you can have perfect feeding management. Even though feedlots will do routine standard operation reviews, you know, so that Mill and everybody else understands the importance. But when you when you actually see what's happening, you can see that it's just a real big problem. And and in the end, for most large, especially large commercial yards, the very biggest concern to the mill is just to get the cattle fed. So oftentimes uh, what we're talking about in terms of ideal management, it isn't given priority that just getting the animals fed takes on. So my in, in conclusion to this, I would say that Probably it's not a wise thing to remove the additives from the diet. Uh, it would be a relatively minor cost. Now, some additives are very expensive, and we need to really think about those. But the ones that we typically use, the ionophores, are less expensive in terms of the potential benefit that we can get from using the additives. So I don't know, Pedro and Brooke, does that address the question? That addressed really well uh, our question for, for the day. And I remember talking with you, you you mentioned exactly what you just talked about. You mentioned that when we are analyzing a feed additive, one thing that I learned from you, first, we have to look at the literature. We have to look on different studies, non-biased studies, and from different locations and that have, let's say, similar performance. And one way to, to analyze that is putting the benefit versus the cost. And we have to put the benefit needs to be two to three times the cost of including that in the diet. And what you talked about, the, the monensin, for example, is exactly the conversation that we had the other day. So I appreciate your your answer. And I, I think you, you answered really, really well. Do you have any comments, Brooke, or you have any final comments, Dr. Zing? Then for me. I just would say that, uh, and, and a lot of people don't realize this, but, but research that we conduct, like you, Pedro, Brooke, and I, and other researchers, what we do, we design experiments to protect ourselves against what we call a type one error. That's the probability of a false positive. In other words, what we do is we design research so that we wouldn't say that something is beneficial when it truly is not beneficial. So we try to control everything we can in order to, to not make that mistake. But however, in the process of controlling everything, as best we can so that we reduce all the sources of variation so that we're just looking at that. In research trials, sometimes we eliminate the very thing that that feed additive is supposed to protect against. So That's true. Uh, we have to we have to understand that, you know, the, the dilemma there. But, but like you said, Pedro, and, and this is very important, that, that we want a number 
of experiments. And, and this is something that journals, uh, research journals have made difficult. They want novel studies. They don't like to publish a study that's been there, done that. And yet, with all this meta-analysis we see nowadays, uh, we need every study that's been done that they publish that work, that it gets out there so that we can see even the studies that aren't supportive Mm -hmm. uh, studies that aren't novel, you know, we need that work out there. That's important. That's really, really important. And that's a great, great final message, Dr. Zin. would like to thank you again for participating. If you want to send a question to Dr. Zin, please send a question to kettlecallucd at gmail.com with the title quizzing, and we'll make sure to ask our questions in our uh, next episode. Thank you very much, Dr. Zin. Thank you very much, Brooke. If you guys have any final thoughts, feel free to do it. Good? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Zin. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you. Whispers are jingling, a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.